Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. This is actually from somebody I know down in the uh, Pasadena area. They got a foot of water in their home. The water has receded. They got hardwood floors. How can they save them? Okay, if you got flooded floors, hardwood floors, the first thing that's going to happen is when they get wet, they're going to start to cup. Now, you got to get the water off of them first. And obviously, if you're in a flooded area, that ain't happening. Uh, so you let the water recede, get all the water out. I happen to know that his house was built in the 50s, so it's up on screed. So there's air, a dead airspace underneath those wood floors as well. That water's got to be gotten out also. Then you can start putting blowers on it, dehumidifiers in there, and dry those floors out. If you do it fast enough, you can actually save those floors. The biggest mistake that happens is people leave the floors alone for several days after they get wet. They think, oh, well, insurance is going to take care of it. Well, let me, let me clear, clear this up for you. That won't fix the floors. It, 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 and if you got old floors from the 50s, those things are gorgeous when they're refinished. But you got to take care of them. So get them dried out as best you can, then dehumidify them. And that'll help to make it where the floor can be just sanded down and refinished versus tore out and replaced. That can make a huge difference on what it costs to get those floors taken care of. And in some cases, the finish even stays well. It really just depends on how good that finish is to begin with. The other issue, though, is the sheetrock got wet. 12 inches of water, you got sheetrock wet. If the home had insulation in it, your insulation is wet as well. Now, they're still expecting quite a bit of rain down there, and the house could likely flood again. My advice is cut out the sheetrock that got wet already. Remove the insulation that got wet because it acts as a wick and starts moving that moisture up in the wall. The insulation does, and so does the, the sheetrock to a degree. By cutting all that out, you may save the rest of the sheetrock as well as the insulation, because if you flood again, it may not go all the way up into the same height that you already went. You may end up cutting off more sheetrock if it, if it gets deeper, but uh, the quicker you get that done the easier it is to save those wood floors as well as save the walls. When a house floods, there's not a reason to take all the sheetrock off. You only have to take off what got wet. Hi, Jim. I have a few holes in the wall due to plumbing repairs. Would you recommend access doors in some areas or just replacing the drywall? Could you please tell me if you have any contractors in mind that could replace drywall, touch up water stains in the ceiling, and smooth out the lines in the walls around the windows from past foundation issues. Thank you for your time. Well, Phil, here's the deal. If you had to open up the wall to get access, and say it's in a closet and you had to open up to get access to the tub or a shower fixture, put an access panel. There's no reason to sheetrock over that because sooner or later you're going to have to get into it again. Even if it's you know in a uh, master bedroom or a guest bedroom, use an access panel because, again, sooner or later you're going to need to get in there. If it was a fitting 
that had to be replaced or something, you know, like up by a, an elbow in a ceiling or something like that, then I would sheetrock over it. You don't need to replace the entire sheetrock, depending on how big the hole is. I mean, you just replace the piece that had to be cut for doing the repair. As far as somebody to do it, typically this is done by painters. Uh, there's not a reason that you need to have somebody come in to do specialty sheetrock work, especially if you're just putting in the access panels. Almost anybody can do that because you just buy the access panel and they make their prefabbed ones that have uh, their plastic or metal. Uh, truthfully, I'm going to recommend the plastic. Usually I like steel stuff better, but for what you're doing here, the plastic ones actually do very well. So I would recommend the plastic ones. And basically all you do is you cut an opening big enough to slide that into the sheetrock, attach it, and you're done. It's that simple. Most most homeowners can do that one themselves. Or, again, if you want to have the, the painters do it, like I said, most painters do the sheetrock repairs, including the crack repairs. Now I'm going to, I'm going to run over, though, how to do sheetrock crack repairs. And the reason I'm going to do that is a lot of people do it wrong. Easiest way to do it, sand off the texture about 12 inches wide around the crack. Take a razor blade knife or box cutter, whatever you want to call it. Slice so that you got a V into the crack. Now use a fiber mesh tape. Don't use the paper tape. Use the mesh tape. The instructions on the mesh tape will say... Put the tape onto the sheetrock and then put the mud over it. I'm going to tell you a little bit different. On, if you were doing a sheetrock joint, that would be fine. But on these crack repairs, take and put some mud over the crack, just like you were going to bed it with paper. But use that fiber tape and bed that fiber tape in. And those cracks have a lot of flexibility to them that way and really hold up well. I used to do a ton of sheetrock repair behind foundation repair. The hardest part of the whole thing is matching the texture when you're done. And that's just a matter of practice, practice, practice. I mean, you take a piece of cardboard or even a piece of sheetrock or whatever, you look at the texture that you got on the wall, you practice on it until you get it matched, and then you do it on the wall. And if you mess it up, it's no big deal. It's just sheetrock mud sand it off or if it's still wet you just scrape it off and try again it truly is that simple now again as far as a contractor painters like to stay in an isolated area so i don't have a painter to refer you to but that's really all you're looking for is a painter to come in and take care of it i have a few questions for you i recently purchased a home and i'm looking at putting in floors went up to floor and decor and picked out a wood like vinyl called nucor this product doesn't require a moisture pad under it. My question is, do you think it would be better to use the pad or not? Also, the inspector for the house found that he couldn't trip the GFI outlets. Should I replace the outlets or hire an electrician to fix the problem? By the way, the house was built in 2000. I'm a little, let's start with the, the electrical problem because I'm a little surprised that the GFIs aren't tripping, especially in a house built in 2000 so the first thing I'm going to tell you is let's get that fixed I would start by replacing the GFI if it still doesn't trip it's time to get an electrician in there that is nothing to mess with the whole purpose of GFIs is if you're using something and there's a short you know gets wet whatever it trips and I shouldn't say it gets wet you know because sometimes 
they trip when we don't want them to because of a drizzle or something. But all that it's doing is it's shorting out, and so it trips. So we got to be extremely careful that those things are working right. Now, a lot of them for outside are tied into bathrooms. On some of the on newer homes, yes, they do put a GFI in the outside outlet on a separate circuit. If you're dealing with homes from the 90s, a lot of times what they did is GFI was in the bathroom or in the kitchen because they put those along the kitchen sinks there as well on the countertops. And the outside plug tied into it also. Dr drives people nuts because it trips and, you know, you got to go inside the house. So I think that's when they started moving them outside. Anyways, again, if that doesn't fix it, get the electrician out and get that thing working. Now, as far as the floors, you know, if it even though it doesn't require it, sometimes it's a really good idea to put those pads down because they serve two purposes. One, obviously, as you mentioned, is for moisture. Two, though, is sound deadening. In fact, if you go into the floor and decor, and you mentioned this, if you look at, they've got a display where they've got some of those floating floors on it, and they've got different underlayments on it as far as for sound. And you can drop a golf ball on it that they've got there. You drop that golf ball and you can hear the hollow. You can hear a little less sound. And then on one of those underlayments, it's dead. I mean, it really sounds like you're walking on something solid. So, you know, depending on how you want the floor to sound may make a difference as far as if you want to put the underlayment or not. So that's something that uh, really I would talk with the guys at Floor and Decor and find out from them. Now, there are, and I'm going back into this question because you also mentioned that there, it's a, a vinyl called New Core. There are some vinyl floors that are glued down. And if that's the case, no, you would not put the underlayment. But they also have some of the vinyls that are snapped together. Uh, and I believe that's what you're actually looking at. I heard you answer a question earlier that is similar to my issue. However, my question is slightly different. My husband and I moved into our 1982 home knowing the original windows needed to be replaced. We have 27 windows, and every single one of them are cracked or foggy. We have had almost 10 different companies come out and give us quotes, and it's pretty expensive. My question is, would it be okay to have the original windows just fixed? Our electricity bill is actually much lower than our neighbors and friends and family. We're on a heavily wooded lot, so while energy efficiency is important, it won't be the driving factor in our decision. Thanks, Stephanie. Now, Stephanie's in the Irving area, and honestly, yeah, you can replace the glass panes. I mean, when they're foggy that way, it's because the argon gas has dissipated from them, and the older... Uh, double pane windows, the seals tended to crack over time and, and leak the argon gas. So whether the window has a crack in it or not, you can still have that fog problem. I will tell you, America's Choice windows, you're looking at roughly $10,000 to replace 27 windows. I mean, that's what the math comes out to. Uh, if you call a glass company and have them start coming out and making those glass packs to replace all of the glass in the different windows because let's face it each window is going to have at least two pieces of glass if it's an open and closed window and if you've got dividers it can even have more than that but let's just say a minimum of two per window well it's not unusual 
for the glass companies to make a glass pack and get somewhere between 150 and 200 bucks. So by the time you replace all the glass, you're going to have about as much money into it as America's Choice Windows would charge you to put brand new windows in, frame and all. So can you do it the way you were talking about? Absolutely. But let's get a price from America's Choice Windows first and from your glass company, and then you can make an informed decision. And the reason it's, it is so expensive for them to make the glass packs because it's not like they can just go back to the shop and cut a piece of glass. They actually have to cut two pieces of glass, form the gasket, put a vacuum on it, you know, fill it with the, the argon gas and everything, and then come out and install the glass panels. So it, there's a lot of work that goes into it. So again, give America's Choice Windows a call and uh, you know at least get a price from them. Their number is 214-390-5598. That's 214-390-5598. Um, and, and that way you got a good comparison so you know, you know which way to go. Uh, if you want to just do a, a couple windows at a time, replacing the glass yeah you can get away with doing that as well but uh, as far as the energy efficiency yes the america's choice windows are going to be extremely energy efficient and look great so it gives you a double whammy there dark orange spot on popcorn ceilings was their subject so what is the cause of stains on ceilings how to identify diagnose and fix them any professional advice to take care of this problem thank you best regards becky well, Becky, typically the stains are caused by water leaks and it can go through and the insulation and things like that to make it dark. So, you know, there's other things that can cause it as well. If you start having rodents in the attic that are urinating up there, it can come through and stain the sheetrock as well. The repair is the same. First, let's get rid of what's causing the problem, whether it's rodents or leaks in the roof or it can be even copper tubes for the air conditioning system, the overflow for the air conditioning system. So there's any number of things that can cause the leak. That needs to be addressed first. Then as far as the sheetrock, if it hasn't gotten soggy and sagging and all that, you're able to just put what's called a pigmented shellac on it. That seals it where you can then paint over it. It is really that simple. Now, if it's got saggy and all that, you got to cut that piece out. But first, let's find that leak and get it taken care of. We had a plumber put PEX tubing, and they laid the tubing on top of existing insulation. Do we need to cover all the new tubing with more insulation? If so, how many inches should we put on it? Well, it really depends on what part of Texas you're in. Now, if you're in south part of Texas, the Houston area, which this question actually comes from because the plumbing is typically overhead in the Houston area. It's not under the slab like it is in San Antonio, Austin, and Dallas area. Uh, even Corpus Christi, the plumbing runs, the water lines run under the homes. For some reason in Houston, they put the, the water lines overhead. Well, how often do we freeze in the Houston area? Not that often, so it's not something you need to worry about a great deal especially if you're using PEX, because if it does freeze, it has some expandability to it. It'll expand out and not break, where normal you know, copper lines or old galvanized lines, uh, things like that, they'll break. PVC lines will break. But if you get that 
by chance where we get a hard freeze, and it has happened. Uh, I think it was back in 1981 that we had a, a hard freeze at Christmas time. Pipes froze in the attics. So if you want to wrap them, really all you got to do is get some insulating uh, pipe insulation, and it just clips on over the pipe. That's going to be the easiest way rather than trying to put attic insulation over it. Um, the biggest place you got to worry about is the corners. If there's any joints in corners, those are still subject where they could freeze. So beyond that, though, uh, you really don't have a lot to worry about. Now, if you're in North Texas, then that's a different story. Because sometimes when they reroute the water lines, they will take them up and overhead. Because it's easier than trying to go under the slab. And if that's the case, insulate them. You absolutely need to insulate them. That's code even to insulate them in that part of Texas because they will freeze, they will break. So again, you can just get up, get the pipe wrap. It's the same stuff that they use on copper and galvanized pipes. It's available at any box store and just uh, slip it on there and you'll be just fine. Got one that came in from Argyle. Actually, that's not very far from where I live here. We have a patio that we added to the side of the house poured six years ago that settles about two to three inches each summer. It raises back up in the winter. Can you recommend someone that can stabilize this concrete? Thank you so much for your time. The main person to stabilize that concrete is you. And I say that simply because moisture change in the soil is what's causing this problem. When the soils dry out, they shrink, they go down. When they get wet, they expand and come back up. So when the slab is down, yeah, you could inject foam underneath it. You could mud pump it bring it back up but what's going to happen the next time the soils get wet and expand is it's going to lift it higher so the better cure for it is to start watering around that patio keep the soils expanded you have now stabilized that patio and you don't have to do anything other than a little bit of watering and the soaker hose will do a wonderful job to take care of that now if you want some detailed watering instructions go to our website thipro.com Click on the link to Due West, and there is detailed watering instructions there, as well as a video that tells you how to properly water so that you don't have to worry about it again. Adam, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. I am, uh, I've been looking at interior door replacement, and I've, I've gotten some quotes from a few people or a few companies in and around Dallas, and, and it, it's kind of pricey from a contractor perspective. So my question is, if I have the ability to get, like, say, gelled wind doors or interior doors at cost, how hard is it to hang those doors on my own using the existing hinges, the existing door jams, all that stuff? And then also, um, am I better to do it on my own, or should I seek professional help for that? And then also, one, one last question with the front door. I have a really great wood front door, all wood front door. The house was built in 79. It just needs to be, to me, it just needs to be refinished, and, and the hardware needs to be changed out. But I, I was just curious, is this is a really difficult job that I, I should seek professional help for, or is, are there ways to do this uh, on my own? How are you, how's your skill levels? I'm sorry? How are your skill levels? In, in, in other words, have you done anything before? I'd probably say between novice and intermediate. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I would tell you, hanging those doors... You know, because you're talking about getting just the door, not a door frame with it and everything, correct? Correct, correct, yeah. Yeah, royal pain in the butt. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, the, most most of the time, doors are put in 
what's called pre-hung. It comes with the door casing on it already. Mm-hmm. And so basically you remove the old door casing, the trim and everything. The new one tips into place. It's already got the hinges on it. And so you square it up with the opening and you're good to go. When you got to start chiseling out for all the hinges, uh, lining up for the, do- for the uh, doorknobs and all that kind of stuff, you take a project where a, a professional guy could come in and put the uh, pre-hung door in in 20 minutes. And if he's got to do all the hinges and line it all out like you're talking about, it's going to take him probably an hour, hour and a half. Gotcha. And a novice, all day. Oh, man. Is there a good contractor in Dallas that you would recommend? Uh, Yeah, if you're looking for somebody to do the doors like that, uh, give uh, Rosenthal Iron Doors a call. Okay. And his number is 214 707-1986 and I mean he, he specializes in doors that's what he does all day long okay great Sounds now on great. your fr- on your front door yep that one's actually fairly easy to do okay uh, because you're saying the door itself is good you just want to refinish it and replace the hardware so you can take one hinge off at a time replace it you know and put without having to take the doors off completely as far as refinishing the door are you talking about uh, painting the door, or are you talking about refinishing it where uh, you got stain and stuff on it? No, no, no. So as uh, as most homes go, the wife makes the design decisions. She wants to paint the front door um, just a, a different color. So it, it was originally stained, but, I mean, the stain has really come all off because of all the yeah. weathering. So she wants to paint it. Well, you need to give her a nice big kiss because she made your job much easier. <laughs> Uh, realistically, all you got to do is sand that door down. Okay. Put a good primer on it. Uh, and I like to use a product called Zinzer, Z-I-N-Z-E-R, primer. Okay. Uh, and then you're ready to paint it. And it'll look it'll look great and it'll last for forever, correct? No. Do it anyway. It'll look it'll look great when you're done painting it because you're going to use the right brushes and, and a high, high end paint because you don't need that much paint. Right. Uh, but as far as it lasting forever, no, you can expect to get a good 10 or 15 years though out of that paint. Yeah. Perfect. That, that'll work for me. Just okay. As long as I don't have to pay for, pay for a new door. Oh no. Nah. They're, they're, you know, those old wooden doors like that, I've got one on my house too. Mine was built in 73 and I mean, they they last as long as they're kept painted. What happens to most doors, the reason they go bad is when they weather, people leave them alone, and then it starts rotting. Once that yeah. starts, the door's trash. Gotcha. All right. Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your help. Adam, I appreciate the call. You take care. Can an AC compressor unit be topped off like a yearly top-off of refrigerant without turning the outside compressor unit on, without having to go inside and turn on the unit. Thanks. No, it cannot. In order for the system to be charged up properly, it has to be running. In order to check the levels before you even charge it, it has to be running. And quite honestly, they don't get topped off. You don't lose refrigerant unless there's a leak. So if your levels are going down where you got to top it off, as you call it, every year, there's probably a leak somewhere. And over time, the leak's going to get worse. Now, if you're only putting in a pound a year or something like that, 
that's going to be very difficult to find. But if you're having to put in a couple pounds every year, hey, they should be able to find that. Now, it may be in a spot where it can't be fixed or it's very expensive to fix, like in the coils or something like that. And if that's the case, sometimes you top it off for a year or two, but get ready, it's time to replace the unit. If it's an older unit. Now, if it's a newer unit, yeah, you replace the coils and you're done with it. But as far as somebody being able to come out there and service it without turning it on, no. Can't do it. It's in, They have to have it running to service it properly. Larry, welcome to 1080 KRLD. How can I help you? Well, thank you for taking my call. This afternoon I was working out in the flower bed and I noticed around the foundation Looked like a little, two little pieces of rebar were sticking out from the foundation and pushed out a little chunk of concrete on it. Uh, Want to know if you think, uh, what do you think is causing that? Could you see the rebar? Yes, barely. Yeah. What causes that, uh, my guess is it's only back behind the concrete about three-quarters of an inch, isn't it? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's too close to the surface. Rebar is supposed to be recessed two inches into the concrete, and the reason for that is it keeps the moisture off of it. And it also, because if moisture gets into the rebar, it'll start to rust, it expands, and it pops the concrete. But also, you know, building materials expand and contract, so they can cause problems that way as well. But that's what's causing it. Now, what you end up having to do in a situation like what you have is chip off that loose concrete. Put a rust inhibitor on the rebar, and then you put a uh, a mortar coat over it, you know, just to cover it up. And I will tell you up front, five, ten years from now, you'll end up doing it again. Okay. So this is, it's not, because uh, I looked inside the house, there's no cracks in the wall, there's no foundation issues I can see outside. So this is a fairly common occurrence? Yes. Okay. So it was just wasn't uh, installed properly when the house was built uh, eleven years ago. Yep, that's that's what happens when they get the rebar too close to the to the outside of the forms. Okay, now that, uh, in that area and around all of the foundations in my neighborhood, it's like a gray uh, coating that they put around the foundation after they're yep. finished with that. Where would yep. I find that? Any box store. All that is is a mortar. Oh, okay. So just they, trowel they, it on after. Yeah, I they, uh, you take a, a rubber trowel. You mix it up where it's re uh, relatively thick. You know, you can't have it real runny. It's relatively thick, and you use a rubber trowel to spread it on the wall. And it, what they use it for is to just cover up all the blemishes. And the fact that your home already has that on there is going to make it real easy to, to cover this up. Okay. Thank you very much. Great solution to a small problem. Appreciate it. You bet, Larry. Take care. Uh, well, Larry, let me tell you, that's not such a small solution because unrepaired these problems can become quite severe because they will literally start chipping whole whole edges off the foundation. That's the reason it is critical that you do go ahead and address it and get it taken care of. Now, do you have to do it immediately today or tomorrow? No, but don't let it go for several years or anything. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.